I'll go start the coffee. I'll be down in a minute. Scooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop. Pastor and Laura, wake up. Good morning. Welcome to our daily Bible study and devotion time. Morning. We are reading in Luke. And we're on chapter 6 today. Mm-hmm. We'll see how far we get. We may not be able to do this one either in a day. There's just a long chapters in Luke. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of smaller accounts within the chapters. Yeah. All right. Luke chapter 6. I'm reading from the NIV, the older version, 1984. And I'll get started. Lord of the Sabbath. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. Then he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And on another Sabbath he went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man there whose right hand was shriveled. Oh, I'm sorry. And a man was there whose right hand was Mm -hmm. shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. But they were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. There you have it. Any questions? Well, you may know these. I thought in this section he was going to say what he says at other times here, which is uh, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Meaning that the day of rest, God gave us that law for our own good Mm -hmm. rather than just a law. But... Um, I mean, all this is there, and then I guess the only other thing that always strikes me here is the fact that the Pharisees are using this man with a shriveled hand, trying to trap Jesus. You know, they set out someone that needs the help of God. Well, they didn't set him out there. Yeah, they were using him. Well, it just says he went into a synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there. Uh-huh. Didn't say the Pharisees. And the Pharisees him. were looking for a. Yeah, so they were watching him closely, but they didn't, like, go find a, sick person and bring them in to trap Jesus. This man just was there. I mean, it. I guess it could have been a setup, but I don't know that that's explicitly said. I think. Um, what's the end of seven in order that they might find him you're reading it in the Greek 
Yes. Right? Yeah. It just says in my translation, they were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Yeah, so I guess that's where I read into it, is they know there's a man with a shriveled hand there. They know it's the Sabbath, so okay. they're watching. But, again, it doesn't... You made it sound like they brought I, this guy in and put him front and center so to test Jesus. That's what I thought you were saying. Yeah, I think that's a possibility. Okay, well, But either I don't, way... don't think it's relevant. Let's push on. Okay. I thought it was interesting that it says again, Jesus knew what they were thinking. I think we've talked about that in previous sections. Yeah, whether or not like, he can actually, is he's reading, reading their mind. Their thoughts or if he's just telling by their, the way they're acting and their facial expressions. Mm-hmm. But. Anyway. Um, yeah, this one he doesn't really keep it a secret some of his other healings he says don't tell anyone about this and this time he makes Jesus or he makes the man stand up in the front of everyone in the synagogue and he does this mm-hmm. so I guess he's kind of faced the fact that word about him is spread and there's a dislike among the Pharisees for him and he's just gonna not try to hide it anymore yeah and once he say you're lord of the sabbath you know at mm-hmm. that point he's proven it well the sabbath he is going to still do good mm-hmm. on that day um just like god the father still does good on the sabbath day yeah it's the resting that we do is physical, but the resting that God did was just from the work of creating, but he still provides for us. So, anyhow. The twelve apostles. Verse 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose twelve of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, who he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. So just a list of the apostles there. Mm-hmm. I guess striking, you know, he picks 12 from them. You know, just another reminder there were more than Twelve mm-hmm. disciples along with him. Do you think it was like a basketball tryout or kickball at recess where they're all like standing there waiting to be chosen and he's like reading off a list and who made the cut? I don't I don't think so. <laughs> That's kind of a silly thing to think about. Well but. I'm just saying if he called his disciples to him like in the morning Mm-hmm. Everybody come here, and then he makes this announcement. I'm choosing you twelve. You think the people who showed up there are like what? I'm I not really, one of the twelve. <laughs> well, I think there's more of a. There, there's more said here than what's said. What? I, there's more said here than what's said. Jesus. Yeah, it's early. Jesus 
would have talked to them. So he spends all night praying. He comes down, he summons them in the speculation that I have of this account of what he's saying. As he sits down, he has a devotion with them. He prays with them. He says, these are someone I've selected. And then he lets the other disciples know that aren't chosen the mission that they have or what they're doing. It's nice. He says, okay, everyone come down here. Peter, John, James, Bartholomew, you know, and then everyone else, you can go home. Thanks for your time. You know, there's a... (laughs) I see you like a 1930s (laughs) reporter. Yeah. No, I was... Anyway. I don't know what I was trying to channel there for. I think you're trying to say... That he probably reassured the other people. He reassured them. He talked to them about what he's choosing them for. That's really nice to think about. It doesn't say that, but I'm sure he did at some time say that. It just was a thought of mine. Why did he call everybody here to make this, like, special announcement? Just just kind of funny to think about in the morning, going, saying, Jesus wants to see you, and then going there and finding out you're not one of the 12 disciples. (sighs) I don't know. Yeah. I mean, maybe they were relieved because they know, you know, it's going to be this big commitment to give up everything and follow Jesus. And so maybe some people are like, that's fine. I just want to be a regular follower. Well, I mean, (laughs) Matthias and Barsabas said, let us choose from when they're choosing the disciple to replace Judas. Barsabas. Isn't he the other one that Uh, was not chosen by... Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were saying not, the, those two were the ones who were talking. No, when in Acts... When the when they, 11... 11 say that yeah. in the Psalms it says they should choose another sure, one. Sure, sure. They say, let us choose someone who is with us from the beginning. Yeah. And it could have been from this group here. Mm-hmm. Probably was from this group that was there at the beginning. Yeah, and the B squad. Just kidding. <laughs> the reserves. No, well, the 72 still uh, were doing miracles and things well, like that. We haven't that. gotten to that yet. Okay, yeah. oh. moving on. Verse 17. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coast of Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and to be healed of diseases. Those troubled by evil spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Mm. Okay. That's kind of crazy to think about. What? A large crowd of his disciples? No. Power was coming from him. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think we've read about that in Luke, but the woman who just, like, touches his cloak... And he says he felt the power go out from him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and but that means that there were other times where there this wasn't happening, right? This implies that. This is a special time. Wouldn't you say? Um, I... You know, when it says power coming out from him, I'm not sure if that's... I don't think it was really something visible <laughs> happening you know that he has like this halo like the transfiguration coming out from around him 
I kind of view it as, um, or think of it as these people had great faith that if I come to the Lord, and even if I don't ask him, but if I'm just in his presence, that God is able to heal me. Um, and I, I may be diminishing, you know, what God's power is there. I don't intend to do that at all, but, um, cause it happens in acts too, where people just want the shadow of, uh, Peter to fall on them to be healed. Right. Well, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, yeah, I'm not talking about, like, whether or not he has the power to do that. I'm just saying there are other times, like, even just what we just read when he's in the synagogue and Mm -hmm. he's sitting there teaching. It doesn't say anything about a massive group of people wanting to be healed. Those people are there just to learn and listen. And there's one person we hear about getting healed. And here it says, all these people came and there was power coming out from him. And I don't know, just there are other times where he's obviously does a lot of healings wherever he goes, but it doesn't say that specifically power is coming out from him. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, it's very interesting because it's his power. And it's also, it seems to be there when he's surrounded by a group of people that strongly believes in him, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's a, a group of believers that are there. And it's almost as if, I don't know, the analogy of light and darkness that's used often. You know, when you have a lot of the this faith around each other, you know, it's a brighter light that's more powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I haven't, I guess, thought about that well, but too much. I mean, just, just rather be, than just the fact that, oh, yeah. You it know. would be people who, are, who have faith in him, who want to, who want to be healed, mm-hmm. and who love him. Because it's not like when he's just walking down the street, you know, he brushes up against someone at a you know, booth, and they go, oh, my leg feels better. You know, like, it's not just, like, power emanates from him and everyone who's nearby him is healed. It's, in this case, people who've gathered, who have faith, you know, and then they are healed. Yeah. So it goes to that, like, your faith has healed you. In in Greek, uh, like, the order of the words does matter. Like, if you put a word at the beginning of the sentence, it can be more significant. Um, and again, in 18, right, the ones were, they were going to hear him. Like Mm -hmm. they, that was a primary reason they were going to hear him and Uh, to be healed from their diseases. Okay. Um, so it's the hearing, right? The faith. I want to be strengthened this way. I want to be, uh, you know, have the sin removed from me and also you know these earthly things and god cares about both all right before i go into a sermon i should stop oh yeah (laughs) 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 
Well, it's not supposed to be a sermon. No, I know. I'm just talking. Just I'm, you and I'm me talking, talking about the Bible. I know. I'm just. And you're sermoning me. Sermonizing. While you were sermonizing, mm-hmm. I was looking for notes in my Bible about this, and there's none about that power coming out from him. But I did see what we're about to read, verse 20, and it says through verse 49. It's called in my Bible, Luke's Sermon on the Plain. Okay. And it says, this is parallel to Matthew's Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 through 7. And then the note in my Bible says, although this sermon is much shorter than the one in Matthew, they both begin with the Beatitudes and end with the lesson of the builders. Some of Matthew's sermon is found in other portions of Luke, suggesting that the material may have been given on various occasions in Jesus' preaching. Hmm. So what we're about to read may sound familiar, and it may be in a different chronological order than it is in Matthew. Mm-hmm. All right. Just thought I'd share that note because this is a longer section. I don't know if we're going to make it through the whole thing before our time is up. So we'll just start. Verse 20. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you, and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how the fathers treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. Do you want to say anything about those Beatitudes? Just that, you know, taking a vow of poverty doesn't make you more blessed or if God has blessed you. Yeah, I think that sometimes, I don't I don't think I've ever really thought this, but I think that it's, I've seen it kind of manipulated into like a, checklist mm-hmm. you know like oh you're poor you know good for you or you're hungry good for you or yeah your life is filled with sadness you know god said that you're blessed you know it's kind of like oh if you do all these things or if you've ever felt these ways mm-hmm. god's saying you're blessed and i don't know reading the Woe to you who laugh now. Like, am I supposed to feel guilty when I'm laughing and, you know, my life is good? I don't think so. You know? Well, that's what I'm saying. That this is much deeper than just, like, if you're rich, God's not, God's not mad at rich people. There's plenty of well-to-do people in our church mm-hmm. and our church body at large in the world, you know? And that doesn't mean they're going to hell. And everyone, I mean, in America, pretty much is well-fed. There's, compared Mm -hmm. to countries around the world. And then, uh, yeah, laughing. People speaking well of you. It's like, those woe to you statements 
aren't supposed to make us feel bad. No. It's, what's the overarching theme? It's to judge whether or not God loves you by your experiences that are in this life. And if our goal in this life is just to be rich, just to be merry, um, just to have people like us, whatever it takes. Well, it's about, yeah, like earthly pleasures. Yeah, then, well, we can easily push God aside, you know, to gain, store up treasures for ourselves just on earth. And I think that's, that's the theme. It's not yeah, one I or think the other. The last verse in each one of those sections, because 20 to 22 is like a pros, and then 24 to 26 is like the cons, like it's point mm-hmm. for point opposite. Um, well, this the could... last verse where it says, Blessed are you when people hate you because they rejected the Son of Man. And then woe to you when people speak well of you. That's how people treated the false prophets. I feel like that's the kind of one of the main ideas is that mm-hmm. um, your life on earth, and I feel like we, you and I have talked about this multiple books that we've read so far, Acts and maybe Galatians and definitely Jonah. Uh, yeah, when you're doing what God says and you're calling out sin or you're you know, you're mm-hmm. preaching the law and the gospel. Well, maybe not so much the gospel, but um, people that won't sit well with people because their conscience will be whatever hurt or challenged or whatever. And yeah, so if you're doing the right thing, you're going to stand out and possibly be disliked. And if you're always just saying what people want to hear, that's how then you're probably not saying the truth yeah exactly um yeah I mean there's examples and you've said this but of wealthy people in the New Testament that were I mean Mary Magdalene and Martha and Lazarus were probably wealthy they, Mary and Martha yeah Mary they, Magdalene mm-hmm what? When they bring... I thought Mary Magdalene was different than Mary of Mary and Martha. It might be a lot of very Marys. early in the morning that I'm Maybe I'm confusing. I'm, am I like but, crazy? I don't know. But when um, they she brings the jar of pure nard and anoints Jesus' feet, that's a salary for an entire year. Oh, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. I mean, there's... Okay. I, th- I think that's something that's significant um but anyway yeah it's it's a interesting interesting section and we were having a conversation um well yesterday i'm not going to go into the whole thing but just how the you know kind of a, a blind sin of many americans is materialism you know that people really just search for earthly pleasures and judge you know the blessings or God's love for them by 
what they have or the comfort that they have here on earth. And uh, Jesus hmm. just speaks right through that. Yeah. Well, I think it's right. Seeking, seeking money and seeking to be rich. Mm -hmm. Because if you make smart investments and do your work well, you know, God will, I don't want to say he will reward you. You know, there's some people who work hard and they never, you know, make a million dollars. But people who do make money and, and but their focus is still on God, that's that's fine. Mm -hmm. But if you're always unhappy and seeking more, and, you know, that's where the trouble comes in. Well, I know, but, it, like, if I, if we lived in a third world country and we had nothing, I don't think we would be defending this the way that we are. Defending it? Or not defending it, but, you know, just, I I'm think. I'm just explaining it. Defending being rich. I'm. Not accusing you. I'm not rich. But Why would I? Defend we are, <laughs> like, uh, like according well, to the yeah. rest of the world, like right. the blessings that we. But that's have. See, you're doing the American thing of comparing, comparing yourself to others. That's where materialism comes in when you have, I mean, like enough to get by. And yeah, the what's considered low income in America is still above a lot of other countries' average income. But, yeah, if you're like, oh, we're not well off because you're comparing yourself to people in America, or you say, oh, we are well off because we're comparing ourselves to someone in a different country, you know, oh, I wish we had this, or, oh, we have so much more than these people. It's just, it's always, that's what the media and... uh commercials want you to do is compare yourself to other people so that you want more mm -hmm. or you want to improve whatever and uh, anyway we're getting kind of off topic but yeah. the point is not to focus on the earthly things I mean but God doesn't want us to just sit in a box and do nothing like he we have to work we have to provide for our families we have to do be good stewards of our things, mm -hmm. right? We're not just going to get up and, you know, say God's going to take care of me, so I'm not going to work. You know, we have to No, have I really, jobs. I really like your point of comparison. You know, if we just really just look at the blessings God gives to us, whatever we have, a lot or little, and say, how can I use them to God's glory? It's going to change our life a lot differently than going... Did God give me more or less than anyone else? Right. Yeah. It's hmm, a good thought. Well, let's pause there because this is a, about how much time we got, and it's almost halfway through the book. So. What? Well, didn't plan it that way, but okay. Maybe it's not almost halfway. We got to verse twenty-six, and there are. 50 oh, yeah, that's Ooh, 49. Over halfway, okay. <laughs> All right. The rest of the section is in, like, red letters, which, you know, that means this is all just things Jesus is talking to them about. So the rest of his sermon, we'll do that tomorrow. Have a good day. Scooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop. Pastor Randall, wake up.